Welcome to New Frontiers in Military Intelligence, Artificial Intelligence, Machine Learning, and the Cloud panel discussion sponsored by Microsoft. Here's today's moderator, Jason Miller. Welcome to the discussion. My guests today are Lieutenant General Jack Shanahan, the Director for Defense Intelligence Warfighter Support in the Office of the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence, Margie Palmieri, the Director of Digital Warfare Office in the Office of the Chief of Naval Operations, Andrew Mansfield, the Technical Director for the Navy's Space and Naval Warfare System Center Atlantic, and Lee Madden, the General Manager of Defense for Microsoft. Welcome to the discussion today. Thank you. Let me get started with some context for our discussion. Just over a year ago, the Defense Innovation Advisory Board approved 11 recommendations to help the Defense Department stay on the cutting edge around technology, culture, operations, and processes. The 15-member board said DOD must move toward innovation by doing several things, including embracing a culture of experimentation, catalyzing innovations in artificial intelligence and machine learning, and making computer and bandwidth abundant and increase investment in new approaches to innovation. Those suggestions, in many ways, serve as the basis for our conversation today. DOD and really every agency must make computing and bandwidth abundant, generally through the cloud, while investing in AI machine learning to improve the speed of, to decisions and free up soldiers and civilians to do more complex work. The promise of AI at the mission level isn't lost on agencies. AI is sometimes synonymous with machine learning is being used widely in places like the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Service and their Ask Emma program for their call centers. The goal of AI in many cases is to process information more quickly and make connections through data sets. But AI, machine learning, and the cloud have the potential to do more than just some back, basic back office work. Over at the CIA, Teresa Smetzer, the director of Digital Futures, said recently that AI is imperative. It's not something that's nice to have or something that agencies should consider at some point, but a technology that will help the CIA deal with an enormous exponential growth in data as well as the variety and the velocity of data. And of course, DOD sees the potential of AI machine learning on the battlefield, whether through unmanned vehicles or by cr crunching satellite data to better understand the threats and opportunities. And spending is huge. Govini predicts, a market research firm, that DOD will spend $7 billion on AI in 2017, along with big data and cloud initiatives. That's 32% increase over the last five years. So DOD, other agencies have signaled that the spending on, on and the value of AI, machine learning, other cutting edge technologies will only increase in the coming years. And again, that's a perfect place to, to go back to our panel. Once again, my guests are Lieutenant General Jack Shanahan, the Director for Defense Intelligence Warfighter Support in the Office of the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence, Margie Palmieri, the Director of the Digital Warfare Office in the Office of the Chief of Naval Operations, Andrew Mansfield, the Technical Director for the Navy's Space and Naval Warfare Systems Center Atlantic, and Lee Madden, the General Manager of Defense for Microsoft. So, we're gonna start with cloud and then we'll move broader, but Andrew, I know that's your, 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 your topic. Let's start with you and a little bit about cloud. Just how are you guys within the, a space and naval warfare system, Center Atlantic is using the cloud, and then we'll kind of broaden that out. So it's kind of funny you say, you know, start with cloud and broaden out, because I don't think there's anything more broad than cloud. <laughs> uh, cloud is IT of the 21st century. Anyone that thinks any differently, you know, isn't really paying attention. Uh, we're, so that means pretty much if you're doing IT, you're doing cloud, whether it's commercial commodity cloud, or if it's something you're doing, you know, internally open source, or you're doing private. Uh, and so when you say, what are we doing with cloud? It's kind of like, you know, everything. Everything. Right? So, but yeah, that yes, being said, uh, let me bound it a little so we, we have a little bit of uh, somewhere to, to leap off from. Think of it in terms of the different service models that uh, cloud purports according to the NIST uh, guidelines, infrastructure platform and software as a service. Uh, we're absolutely leveraging commercial commodity cloud for all kinds of transformations on how we get that sort of broad, scalable capability, uh, leveraging, you know, basically converting all of our stuff, all of our costs to CapEx, you know, from CapEx to OpEx. Uh, I'll say capital expenditures to operational expenditures so that we don't have to keep spending money on constantly upgrading, right? And we're getting the security that they provide, you know, just by buying their service. Uh, from a platform and software perspective, we're looking at back office capabilities, everything from medical to, you know, medical to, you know, office automation to data storage and things of that nature. Uh, because in addition to the, you, you mentioned, you know, uh, variety and velocity. Uh, one thing that, you know, having that much space to gives you is also the ability to kind of work veracity issues or data integrity issues. So things like that uh, where we can use the capabilities out there wholesale to, to improve what we do and how we do it. All right, so you brought up a couple different pieces to this. You brought up the, the mission side, you mm -hmm. brought up the, the back office side, and then all the different pieces. So let me turn to Margie and, and talk to you a little bit about the cloud, if you will. I know, as Andrew said, it, it's, it's the IT of the 21st century. Where does cloud fit into what you guys are doing? 
Yeah, absolutely. So we're really interested in what cloud can enable in terms of decision making and analytics. Um, when we look at the Navy, everything from our operations to readiness, um, data is a huge part of what we do. We have a, a lot of data in the Navy. Um, and how to make decisions around all that data is absolutely um, what we're focused on. And in terms of advanced analytics and artificial intelligence, not to jump too far into the future conversation, but um, you know, we're, we're seeing that if you can get the data together in a in a environment where you can bring together different types of data. Um, so in the Navy, we tend to collect a lot of information, a lot of data, um, but then we segment it. So we have a supply database, we have a readiness database, we have a medical database, but when we want to actually solve a problem for something, bringing that all together in a cloud environment is, is really important so that then we can write the analytics on top of it. When you talk about segment, meaning that you're going from this bunch of silos, our favorite word in government and IT, to more of a, and I'll use another kind of maybe use, often used data lake, some sort of approach where, okay, let's bring in all the data so, so whoever's doing the analytics can access different pieces and parts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's just a function, I think, of our organization. We've, we're responsible, different organizations are responsible for collecting different things, for doing different reports, but now that you can actually get predictive analytics out of things, um, being able to mash those data environments together so that you can look at how does supply really contribute to readiness, for example, um, is, is really important for us and allows us to leverage the funding we already have in uh, some of our our other programs to, to get more use out of the data we already have. Lee, let me turn to you, because you, your focus at Microsoft is wholly on defense, imagine, versus civilian side. And, and when you think of cloud, Microsoft, obviously, one of the biggest cloud providers. So ha asking how we're using cloud maybe is a little redundancy. But talk a little bit about what you're seeing, at least from your customers, and how are they asking for and or using, for instance, Microsoft Cloud, Azure, and, and others. Sure, I, I think we're seeing a, a typical cloud trajectory uh, in, in defense, similar to what we see commercially. Uh, we see first the, the customer using uh, productivity. In, in the case of Microsoft, it's a software as a service solution. Uh, and then at the same time, infrastructure as a service, really uh, lifting and shifting applications from an on-premises environment to the cloud. And then uh, we, we see the movement ultimately to platform as a service where there's a greater ability to derive insight from that data. And, uh, and ultimately, uh, the customer is getting to the point where they're sharing that data across applications, across platforms, and ultimately has the ability to start leveraging artificial intelligence, cognitive services, and some of the real value-add capabilities that uh, come from the cloud. It's interesting you bring up the platform as a service. If you remember in, you know, back in the when cloud was first starting to get some momentum in, in government, you know, 2010 timeframe, cloud first policy, everyone talked about platform and no one really could define what the platform was. Well, what are you talking about platform? We know infrastructure and we know software. I think you just did probably the best job of defining uh, that I've heard what the platform is. is. Is that what you're seeing as well, people understanding what, what now is mean by these three separate infrastructure platform software pieces? I think the understanding comes with experience in the cloud. Uh, the more experienced the customers become, the more they, they see the need for moving to platform as opposed to continue to run their own infrastructure in the cloud. So it's definitely, uh, I think, experience-based, and that really drives the knowledge of how to best use the cloud. Andrew, jump in. Uh, from, I agree with you that platform is probably one of the most uh, overloaded terms and vague. <laughs> Uh, when I'm working as from an engineering perspective with folks on designing their service model, because that's what we're talking about, right? Uh, both from a technical and an administrative or business perspective. I kind of break platform up into two primary uh, buckets, if you will. First is what I call infrastructure platform, which speaks to how I automate, manage my deployments, how I manage my infrastructure, how I break it up into you know, virtual machines or whatever. What, what, quote, platform am I using to, to monitor and do system administration functions and things like that. The other aspect is the software platform, which is what do my application developers need to create code, you know, create applications for users to interact with. And so um, that's the model I use for describing platform. And you can, and yeah, vendors are gonna come up with ways in which some of that is bled over. There's never gonna be a solid line. But when you're trying to ideate around what you need to buy or how you need to architect or how you need to design, I find those being sort of two primary ways of breaking platform up into something useful. And I think it's helpful because I think, again, you're right, I think people hear platform, what does that really mean? Yeah. Uh, let me turn to uh, General Shanahan, uh, cloud, and, and take us down through the path of how you guys in, in your office are starting to really take advantage of all that is the cloud and, and what, where do you see kind of going? 
Well, with, with Project Maven, which we view as a pilot project to begin to really integrate artificial intelligence capabilities at speed and scale across the Department of Defense. You used the word earlier, imperative. We see artificial intelligence as imperative to national security, increasing operational effectiveness, lethality, and survivability. And as we've gone down this journey, for us, we didn't start with an artificial intelligence solution in search of a problem. Our problem was given to us in the form of an avalanche or tsunami of data, uh, as just, we just mentioned. In this case, full motion video. The amount of, of data coming from full motion video from unmanned aerial systems is just getting to the point where we cannot afford the number of people to look and do very sort of labor intensive tasks associated with exploiting that, that full motion video. So we, we went in search of a solution and rapidly zeroed in on artificial intelligence, in this case specifically machine learning. And as we've learned, of course, uh, one of the biggest advances in AI in the last few years, which has made it much more credible than it was in sort of the dark days of the AI winter of the 80s, is one, the amount of data is so much different, but the compute power. And for us, it's GPUs, graphics processing units, and, and other potential applications to include the cloud. We're, we're still, what I would say, on our, on our infancy in terms of putting the compute solutions together, but from the very beginning, it's GPUs, uh, largely with NVIDIA, but there are some other solutions out there, neuromorphic chips, FPGAs, A6, I mean, some bespoke solutions, but we have realized very quickly that cloud is critical to the solution. Um, cloud for training and cloud for inference. And of course, you make the distinction, the difference between cloud for storage and search capabilities, which some of the department is very uh, deeply invested in. But for this artificial intelligence, machine learning, computer vision, it is a different uh, arrangement. This really is cloud optimized for AI. And that's what we're beginning to take advantage of right now. And you have, you have a training part, which is happening back here, and of course, uh, where, where we are in the United States. But as we begin to deploy these algorithms onto real platforms, uh, processing exploitation systems. There will be a cloud solution, but there could be some other solutions on that, on, as we say, at the tactical edge. But cloud is, there's no question in our mind that this cloud piece of what we're doing is only going to increase them in, in importance. And just in case if our audience is not as familiar with uh, Project Maven, talk a little bit about the goal of it, is to take data, I mean, take video, but video data, I guess, and do what with it? And, and where are you guys at with it? Is it piloting in what way? It is, it is just as you said, so full motion video from these unmanned aerial systems, uh, the systems are getting so good in high definition video and more sensors available to it. And the challenge is we have just run out of people. We are not going to buy our way out of this problem. In fact, as I like to say, getting more people to tackle this is actually the worst possible solution because it would keep us on old bad habit patterns. A, we, we realized that artificial intelligence would get us to a place where you could automate and augment and accelerate the analyst workflow. That in some cases uh, is very manual in terms of counting, characterizing, s staring at a video screen for 12 hours at a time, which is, which is when we describe this to the Defense Innovation Board and to industry, they, they, they were bewildered by the fact that we were spending lots and lots of hours of people's valuable time doing these manual tasks. And that's what machine learning is doing. So lots of data that we label data, process it. So the whole point is a pilot project to begin to do this across the department. As we learned when we studied what the solutions might be, there's fantastic research on AI going throughout the research laboratories. But it wasn't transitioning to the operational warfighter fast enough, and we needed a solution in the near term. And so most of this, the majority of this, when it comes to these algorithms, are in commercial industry. That's, that's where the expertise is, with, with some exceptions in the research laboratories. And we went, we went out and found uh, some companies that would develop algorithms, some vendors, and we've put them on contract and are now are, are putting those very first algorithms in an operational environment. And of course, we're learning more and more every time we do this in what I would call a prototype warfare attitude. Uh, almost that start small, stay focused, and win early, which is uh, almost a Silicon Valley way of doing business, recognizing that when you field this first algorithm, which is designed to make life a lot easier for an analyst, it won't be, it won't be perfect. It'll be a 75, 80, 85% solution, but you will rapidly optimize it and refine that algorithm. And that's the key, is this rapid optimization working directly with the users and not forcing a solution on them that they didn't ask for. 
I hope you have that on your wall somewhere. Start small, stay focused, win early. I do. I hope so. <laughs> uh, versus in the one that's uh, very famous, uh, 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 trusting God all others bring data or something. You have that too. Uh, Margie, let me turn to you on this because you, you probably are doing some of the same things as, as the general was talking about in terms of using AI at the tactical edge. As you talked about your title, Digital Warfare. Talk a little bit about where that's starting to fall in and, and, and obviously the cloud plays a role in that too. Yeah, absolutely. So for the Navy, um, you know, we go to sea. Uh, that's the the place where uh, our operations take place most, and that's a very different environment for the cloud than uh, the traditional uh, shore-based environment. So we're definitely thinking through how do you do cloud computing at the tactical edge. A lot of uh, the sea environment involves uh, communications uncertainty. So you you may have communications at certain sometimes, and you may not at other times. And when it comes to syncing up data from shore to ship or between ships. Um, those types of architectures and, and data structures are, are more complex than it, when you can just run a landline or, or an undersea cable or something like that. Um, so we're thinking about how do you how do you bring cloud, and not just cloud and, and data, but also the analytic compute piece to the edge. And that's been one of the biggest um, benefits, I think, of you know, some of the, the processors and the, the storage getting smaller and lighter, uh, faster. Um, it really opens up a lot of opportunities for us in the Navy. Um, at the same time, we're also thinking thinking about uh, the readiness side of our equation. Um, we've been looking at how we um, make better decisions around uh, part allocation and, and repair times using some of the uh, data we already have. Um, just bring that together, like I, like I said earlier, into a, a common data lake or environment. Um, and then how do you use machine learning on top of that to get more predictive, um, to get better return on investment or um, better allocation of supply across our, our tactical assets. Um, we've been doing a lot of work with Super Hornet lately. All right, so a lot there to unpack, but we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll start unpacking some of that. You're listening to the panel discussion, New Frontiers in Military Intelligence, Artificial Intelligence, Machine Learning, and the Cloud, sponsored by Microsoft on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Here's Lee Madden, General Manager, U.S. Department of Defense at Microsoft. Today, events move faster than ever. Our military forces need the edge only technology can deliver. Microsoft Azure is the U.S. government-exclusive cloud built for mission speed. Microsoft brings powerful capabilities like analytics and AI to help the DoD turn data into insights and take immediate action. Microsoft data centers provide world-class security for the military's vital resources from the Pentagon to the tactical edge. Visit azure.com slash mission cloud. Welcome back. You're listening to the panel discussion, New Frontiers in Military Intelligence, Artificial Intelligence, Machine Learning, and the Cloud, sponsored by Microsoft on federalnewsradio.com at 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Lieutenant General Jack Shanahan, the Director for Defense Intelligence Warfighter Support in the Office of the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence, Margie Palmieri, the Director of the Digital Warfare Office in the Office of the Chief of Naval Operations, Andrew Mansfield, the Technical Director for the Naval, Navy's Space and Naval Warfare Systems Center Atlantic, and Lee Madden, the General Manager of Defense for Microsoft. We started to go down the path before break around this idea of the tactical edge, and, and it was Margie brought it up, General Shanahan, you brought it up. So let me turn to Lee a little bit. It's not just take it to the edge and be happy. There's a lot more that goes into it than just, okay, let's let's push it out the door even further. So talk a little bit about what it takes to, to reach the tactical edge from both a cloud perspective, but also an, uh, an application perspective. Certainly, so we look at the, the full spectrum of compute from the intelligent cloud to the intelligent edge. And uh, the intelligent edge, in, and the tactical edge kind of blend together, but there's you have to be able to move from large-scale, hyperscale cloud computing in a in a commercial data center or in a in a private cloud back in garrison, and be able to connect out to the the tactical edge or the intelligent edge. Uh, we've developed modular systems that allow uh, for kind of a midpoint or something you can push out to the tactical edge on a, on a platform, whether it's a ship, submarine, or aircraft. Uh, or, a or even a vehicle. But we look uh, really at the importance of the intelligent edge that's allowing the user to have access to artificial intelligence in that tactical system, or in that sensor. And that's what really is going to make the difference in warfare. And I think that's where a lot of the, the projects are starting to focus today. Uh, we want to be able to uh, really drive that that artificial intelligence to the user so it can be used in a disconnected state, in a tactical state where we don't have the bandwidth to get back to a hyperscale cloud or even to a modular cloud at the midpoint. That's the first thing that came to my mind. How do you drive that capability without the connection back, right? There's not one big long wire, or, or even, even if you say, well, we'll use satellites, that may also not be good enough. So is it 
kind of you're using it on the compute power that of the device itself? Absolutely. I think a great example, and there was an article written on it recently, the Ford GT has more lines of code in that that edge device than, than a Boeing aircraft does today. So when you think about the capability that's pushed in that platform out to the edge, it's disconnected. Right. Uh, you're driving that car, it's not connecting back to the cloud as you're driving it, but it is doing things out there while you're operating it that ultimately uh, will be replicated in tactical platforms. Andrew, do you want to jump in? Uh, sure. Uh, I think, you know, I, I usually have this prop. I tell people, so, you know, I have a cell phone. That's going to be a data center. Today's data center in about, what, 20 years, 10 years? <laughs> Technology is accelerating, one, one or two great breakthroughs. So the idea that, you know, compute power is going to get less and less uh, as we go forward is, is not accurate. So we are going to rely on where the data is. Uh, and that's going to be what I think the key, you know, to the data lake discussion is how do we actually federate all those data sources once we have compute power at the edge that's, you know, a data center today, what do we do? And that's what I think cloud is especially useful in is that service-oriented modular microservice design, uh, which I might add isn't new. It started in the 70s, uh, something called the Unix philosophy, philosophy you should look it up. Um, it, that enables us to both scale out, scale down, and federate uh, across the broad enterprise as we deal with these technology revolutions that will continue. That's one of the best parts about covering technology for the government and just broadly is things, more they change, the more they stay the same. I yep. mean, you talk about cloud, it was ASPs, you know, yep. alternative service providers and, and managed services and seat management. I go on all day. But let me turn to the General Shanahan real quick on this one. Uh, when you, beyond, you know, when you guys look at, you know, Project Maven and some of the other things you're working on, this tactical edge piece, getting the, 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 the compute power, but also the storage and all the pieces and parts, is that, something of a concern or, or the people that are going to be doing the pilot right now are all going to be connected well, but it's the next level that you start to worry about. Uh, that's a, it's actually, you said it very well, is as we move out on the pilot project, it's to begin with these, these initial sites to really understand how you get it to work on those initial sites. And we'll go back three times to that first site to make sure that it's working as advertised and then begin to connect across the broader enterprise. For our, In this case, you will have the special operations processing and exploitation sites, but also the broader services distributed common ground system, which is an, an entire enterprise reachback architecture. That's the intent is we will end up having these algorithms distributed across an entire architecture. We're not there right now because we're focused on getting it right on the tactical edge. And, and I will say this uh, every time, what's most important on this, I'm sure Margie would say the same thing, is that user engagement early and often and forever. Because if we just try to drop something called an algorithm into a processing and exploitation workstation downrange, and the user has never seen it before, it will become that proverbial black box gathering dust in the corner. This is about from the very beginning when a user is talking with a software engineer to understand what each other's objectives are in developing this algorithm, that is enormously beneficial to both sides. So we're in that process right now. Uh, it's all about processing exploitation workstations, but to, to what everybody has said, the intent would be to get it on platforms and centers, truly on the tactical edge. You have to accept that there will be a disadvantaged environment, a famously bureaucratic term for you won't have reach back capability at some point. So how can you make this, this thing work? How can you make AI and machine learning to put it on a platform and center, and it only sends off what you've basically trained it to send off because you're not gonna have bandwidth to send petabytes worth of full motion video. Margie, that brings us a great uh, segue to part of the discussion I think you started to get into in the, in the last segment, which is as the Navy looks at, okay, ship to ship, ship to shore, it's, it's, it's not just, we, we can't just, you know, have a bigger pipe. I mean, it just doesn't work that way. So the, the designing these processes, the AI, the machine learning, really is, is a big deal. I think that's what General Shanahan was trying to get to. Talk a little bit about how you guys are looking at that design piece. Yeah, sure. Um, the general is exactly right. The, the design piece is um, very different for DOD than our traditional systems uh, requirements and procurement process, I'd say. So today we spend a lot of time, uh, we work with fleet users on what the requirements are. Uh, we tend to write them in documents that are 20 plus pages long. That's that's being very conservative, I'd say. Um, and then we turn that over to the acquisition community to go procure on timelines that are several years long in, in most cases. Uh, and the user doesn't see it again until they're being trained on the system, um, you know, again, several years later. Um, and 
when it comes to machine learning and AI, that really, the design process is really flipped on its head. Uh, as the general said, uh, not just early and often, but forever. The, the idea that you would continue to optimize the use of these analytics based off the user need is, is where we really need to go. And that starts with early engagement, continuous engagement, and a, a feedback loop that is just much more um, you know, flexible and frequent than, than we're used to. Um, so I think we're going to have to take a look at our requirements processes. Um, you know, the traditional paper documentation that we use is going to be pretty uh, cumbersome and slow, um, and then our our timelines for how long it takes us to procure software is much different. Um, so part of that comes with having to actually um, you know, put in place a good cloud foundation. One of the great things about cloud is it gives us a, a stable basis from which we can then jump off and innovate with, with data and analytics. Um, but then putting in that user-centered design process, figuring out how to have conversations with our, our personnel around what they're really trying to do and what decisions they make, but then also creating experimentation environments where we can take them outside of the normal way of doing business and say, hey, if, if you could if you could think about this differently than how you were trained, if you could you know, do it like they do in the movies, for example, or, or if, if you could start from, from scratch, how would you actually design this? And then let's build those you know, software pieces around, around you as the user um, and around the mission outcomes that you really want to see, uh, instead of it just being a, a piece of gear that you turn over. Um, so I think we have a lot of work to do in DoD around how to actually make those processes much more flexible and rapid and, and scalable uh, for more of what we do. The process you're talking about, in many ways, is the same thing. We've had conversations many times about Agile and DevOps, Absolutely. but it's the same thing. But so the AI piece is just using that Agile methodology for AI. I mean, yeah. there's really no difference. It sounds to me, <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. Those are the core core building blocks. They're absolutely critical to going forward. We, we also have to think a lot uh, in DoD around how we test this capability and how we certify it for safety. It, it is a different mission. You know, if somebody messes up on the the search button, you know, you may if you like this, you may also like that. <laughs> well, if you get that wrong, that's that's probably okay. Um, if you if you identify someone wrong, if you you know get the wrong recommendation, um, that's a lot more consequential for DoD. And most of our uh, testing processes are designed around um, repeatable results. Well, with machine learning and AI, repeatable is, is, is not necessarily something you're going to see. So how do we really think about how we uh, test AI and machine learning capabilities in a way that is going to meet the DoD's mission and make sure that we've got the, um, the responsibility uh, that we need to, to have over these different types of algorithms? General Shanahan, jump in here, because are you guys finding that very similar challenge in terms of the repeatable process? If you want to test cybersecurity, you can look at the vulnerabilities, but but when you talk about AI, machine learning, that's a whole, sounds like a whole different No, it's, it's, it's exactly as Margie described it. In fact, uh, one of what we're finding out probably is most useful about what we've done with this pilot project is to develop the pipeline of what is this thing called machine learning, all the way from data acquisition through um, data labeling through preparing and developing an algorithm, but then this next point that Margie just talked about is test and validation and test and evaluation. What we're trying to do is just follow the industry standards, which are still um, still developing, honestly, but we're, this is our most rigorous part of this, and there's not a lot of DOD standards that exist on algorithm test and validation, and then the follow-on part of test and evaluation, and that we're taking as seriously as anything else. What concerns, uh, concerns us is there's a temptation for a lot of people in the field that know just enough to be dangerous about machine learning, and say, I'll just pull an algorithm off open source, give me your data, and I'll develop an algorithm and field it. That will work for about 10 seconds, but we must have the rigor and the discipline behind this testing piece of it. And a lot of it is still manual. We're working with a number of, of sort of leading vendors on this to include um, uh, academia. Um, Carnegie Mellon, of course, is sort of leading edge in some of this to really get that process down. So by the time you feel something, you have a confidence that it's passed through these number of gates. But you'll continue to do, just as again, as Margie said, into the optimization piece of it to, to come back and review how it performed in that field environment. Lee, let me bring you in the conversation on this. The test and evaluation piece, the, the idea of, of developing AI, and it's more complex, more human. How does that kind of fit into what you're seeing uh, when, when, when your customers come to you and ask for help in these areas, what can you tell them? <laughs> so I, I think from a, a development standpoint, uh, as customers looking for this, and I think Project Maven's a great example, right? There are, there are algorithms uh, around computer vision that have already been developed for commercial applications, and a lot of this can be leveraged by our DoD customers. They're generally not going to take it 
right off the shelf and use it that way, but it's going to be customized uh, through a dev process for the mission and ultimately for the end users. So th that's where we're participating and we're, we're seeing uh, much more of a focus across DOD uh, on Agile and an understanding that uh, we really need to up-level the skills of not only the folks in DOD, but of the contractors supporting the DOD. I, I think that's the key piece here is the skill set, and we could go down the path of a workforce discussion, but instead I'm going to bring Andrew in. And so you hear about all these move to DevOps, move to Agile, this idea of user-centered design, get the users involved. The, the cloud piece of all of this has to be the underlying say, okay, do we have the, 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 the ability to support and not just support, hey, yeah, okay, there's a cloud, go play in it, but there's there's different requirements and rules, if you will, around it. How do you ensure that that all, that, that everything fits under the umbrella well, that we call cloud? Well, well it does by, by default. By default. Because, I mean, agile, those sorts of things were used to develop a lot of the software that, that, that rides in there today, that manages it today. Um, I've been doing Agile personally for quite a number of years. I think that the main difference of what they're talking about today is that the technology is moving faster. Uh, and it's one thing to ask a user, uh, what do you want to do? It's another thing to say, here's the art of the possible, right? And so part of what we're trying to get in place is bringing industry in to that part of the process, not just the, the people directly involved with the development, but the people that are out there kind of on the leading edge to say, okay, when you say requirement this and then this, that's not how you should do it. Maybe define it in outcomes and then let's work on requirements. For, you know. So those are the sorts of tactics and techniques and, the, and we're gonna, I guess we can talk about the workforce piece later as well, but that's you know, ensuring you have skilled government folks on the other side is, is important uh, and that, is a ch that can be a challenge. Margie, uh, Andrew brings up an interesting point, the, the outcome piece. And, and maybe I'll ask you and then maybe the general also jump in. What, do you, what is the outcome you're looking for, right? Is it, is it, okay, we need to connect two ships? Or is it the ships have to share data? Or like what, what's the, how do you define what the end result? Do you even know what the end result is sometimes? Yeah, so um, we have tons of end results, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, across, across the board, um, absolutely on the operational side around you know, decision making, um, our chief of naval operations likes to, likes to say that in the future, the advantage is really not going to be to the people with the best sensors because everyone's going to have data, sensors, they're proliferating uh, quite a bit. It's going to be to the, uh, the military or the, the team that has the best ability to make decisions and to do it in the fastest way and in the way that um, is you know, informed by the best information at the time. So um, figuring out what those outcomes are from our operational users is, is really key. Um, and then the readiness side as well to figure out, you know, are we making the best uh, decisions around how we allocate resources? Um, analytics can work on, on both sides and we, we have outcomes on both sides that we're looking at in the digital warfare office. Um, I mean, is it, is it something that, let me turn to uh, General Shanahan, is the outcome side something, you can't predetermine your outcomes, and the outcomes are always going to, you say, well, we want to look at video better, but what's well, that mean, right? And so this point is, is uh, a central point is, I cannot define success. The intelligence analyst or the sensor operator will define it as a success. So if we put it in their hands, as Andrew said, what's the art of the possible? In our early engagements right now, what we find is the algorithm's good. It's working as advertised. But it's what can you do with the algorithm that we don't even begin to understand yet. The analyst has said, well, could you give me a geofence around this particular coordinate? Can you give me alert when something comes in or out? The answer is yes, very much um, we can do that. Uh, but it's that constant engagement piece of it. And, and I, I expect a year from now, what the intelligence analysts and sensor operators be doing this algorithm will be so completely different than what we handed them on day one that we won't even see the difference. I almost have been starting to think of this as the difference between Pong and StarCraft. <laughs> is, is That's a long journey that, that happened in a long time, but I think that's a year to two years in today's algorithmic warfare environment. Instead of uh, decades. Yeah, decades. That's a great point. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back. We'll, we'll jump more into the discussion. You're listening to the panel discussion, New Frontiers in Military Intelligence, Artificial Intelligence, Machine Learning, and the Cloud. It's sponsored by Microsoft on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Here's Lee Madden, General Manager, U.S. Department of Defense at Microsoft. Today, events move faster than ever. Our military forces need the edge only technology can deliver. Microsoft Azure is the U.S. government-exclusive cloud built for mission speed. Microsoft brings powerful capabilities like analytics and AI to help the DoD turn data into insights and take immediate action. Microsoft data centers provide world-class security 
for the military's vital resources from the Pentagon to the tactical edge. Visit azure.com slash mission cloud. Welcome back. You're listening to the panel discussion, New Frontiers in Military Intelligence, Artificial Intelligence, Machine Learning, and the Cloud, sponsored by Microsoft on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today, Lieutenant General Jack Shanahan, the Director of the Defense Intelligence Warfighter Support in the Office of the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence, Margie Palmieri, the Director of the Digital Warfare Office in the Office of Chief of Naval Operations, Andrew Mansfield, the Technical Director for the Navy's Space and Naval Warfare Systems Center Atlantic, and Lee Madden, the General Manager of Defense for Microsoft. Last segment, we started talking about cloud, we started talking about Agile. Andrew, I want to turn back to you for a second because you, you wanted to uh, jump back in and talk a little bit more about this integration of cloud and Agile and, and really the, the, the promise it, it, it really gives to both DOD but, but really most, most organizations. Yeah, so when I said by default, what I meant uh, that, that Agile and cloud work together, it's more that, you know, Agile is a how, cloud is sort of a what and a where, but that if you fully embrace cloud, a lot of the tools and capabilities they gave you to integrate with it really lend themselves well to Agile. It's just a function of whether or not you fully embrace it. And so I just want to make sure to, to get that point across more than anything. And that uh, if you do so, you can get those benefits. And, and I think the point, also just to put a finer point on it, is the cloud opens the door to make Agile work even easier. You could always do Agile beforehand. Yeah, you, could do, you could do Agile with or without cloud. Right. But cloud actually makes it you know, work across your entire enterprise as opposed to just within individual environments. Right. And it goes back to that automation piece, I think, as well. It makes automation easier. Uh, General Shanahan, talk a little bit about the automation side of this because I'm sure you guys, to, to test the algorithm, to improve the algorithm that you guys are using uh, for Project Maven, automation is key. Well, it, it is everything to what we're trying to do, but what we also have to figure out over the next, say, six months as we field this beyond the tactical UAVs and go to these medium altitude, uh, remotely piloted aircraft, the MQ-1, MQ-9, and then beyond, is to understand how much value has really come from automation, i.e. we're going to have to look at workflows to be able to show that how an analyst was doing business before versus how they were doing it in the future. And so this re this return on investment question, and this gets this can trip people up. There's a tendency right off the bat to say, well, it's great. We're going to automate things. We're going to, we're going to save thousands of people. We're very careful. There's no body of evidence right now that I've found in industry or in the military that suggests that by fielding an algorithm you can save thousands of people <laughs> uh, because that's where programmers will naturally want to go in each of the services. Instead, we're talking about giving time back to an analyst to do what humans do best, which is reasoning and cognitive tasks. If I were to say, what is, what is this value of automation to me more than anything else? It's human-machine teaming. As Gary Kasparov would say in his book on deep thinking about losing the game to deep blue, it's not the grandmaster or the algorithm, it's the combination of the grandmaster and the algorithm working together. I see that our analysts will automate some tasks, but really what they'll do is get time back to do the contextual piece of it, to be to do what they were really paid to do, is to be intelligence analysts, not doing these rote sort of labor-intensive tasks. Which is, you said you're not going to buy your way out of the, the challenge of all Never. this data, Never. and the data's not going anywhere. It's not going to get smaller anytime soon. Uh, which, which actually brings us down that path to another piece of the discussion, which is, we talked a lot about the tactical edge, but but getting the cloud to the tactical edge, getting those applications, getting those systems. Let me turn to Andrew, since uh, you've been uh, relegated as our cloud expert here to, to a certain extent. Uh, pushing the cloud to the edge is, is not, not necessarily easy. It's not so necessarily straightforward. What, what has to happen to get there? Well, from my perspective, uh, we need to, no, actually, I have to think about that one a you little bit. You have to think I, I threw a curveball. Yeah, you threw a curveball, only but in that. But um, it's, it's a, the, the, the point, I guess, is, is, is and maybe we'll, we'll pull Lee into this real quick, because uh, uh, the tactical edge piece is, is the, extending the cloud is not necessarily as just you plug it in and it's ready to go. There's a bandwidth issue, there's a compute, there's storage, I mean, yeah, there's all the pieces. It's of application parts. design, okay, it's, it's communications, it's, uh, it's keeping things updated from a software perspective. It's even hardware design when you're out there because you know you're concerned about space weight and power. It's kind of it's kind of interesting in that uh, just a quick aside on the hardware side. You know I remember attending the Facebook Open Compute Comp conference when it first started and they were discussing innovative data center designs. Well, it turned out a lot of those features were things that were done in chip design prior, well prior, that were buried in mill standards because you know you have to worry about space weight and power yes. and you're concerned about things like 
you know, chem-bio and things like chemical and biological weapons. So you design things like positive pressure and things like that. So um, in my mind, it's, it's how you treat all of those things and how you design your application and your data so that it can handle those, those environments. Not just how well you scale up, but how you scale down. So things like that. Lee, jump in. Jason, I, I think, in the follow-up on Andrew's comments, I think the, the close cooperation and integration between the, the platform builders and the defense industrial base, the, the big aerospace and defense companies working with technology companies has been critical uh, to getting closer to fully integrating cloud, which is foundational into the tactical platforms and then pushing capability to the tactical edge. If, uh, if, we're, if each of the, the two groups there is, is operating and, and developing differently and we're not cooperating with each other, we're not going to get there as fast. You've got a billion dollars a month coming from Microsoft and our largest peers in the industry going into R&D around the cloud and artificial intelligence and a couple of other things. And you've got the, the platform builders who are investing similar amounts in R&D, but it's spread across a, a broader swath. So really leveraging that, that technology company investment is going to be key. And, and I think that you make an interesting point. The fact is that if it's not built into the platform side, it's not like a plug. You can't just be like, okay, plug in, it's in the cloud. I think people sometimes lose sight of that. They think, well, we'll just, like, we're so used to you know putting your email in the cloud or, or, or putting your documents in the cloud. With, you know, Office 365, it's in the cloud, but somebody somewhere has to make that connection and, and build it in. And, and actually, it's, it's a great kind of segue as well to the, the other piece of our conversation is as you integrate the AI piece into the mission systems, that's, that's an additional piece that I think uh, Lee wanted to talk about because it's, it's very similar. How do you work together within the broader community? Absolutely. If you look at the uh, the true tactical edge, you have hardened systems out there that are built by the platform builders. Uh, whether it's in, you know it's it's MCON hardening out at the edge in an aircraft or something similar on a ship or a submarine, the cloud providers and the technology companies can't build that. That's not our business. There are companies in the aerospace and defense industry who do that really well. That close integration between technology and the defense industrial base will drive that capability. General Shannon, you were shaking your head and, and, and when you were listening to Lee a little bit, talk a little bit about the, that integration. Getting this type of technology to the mission side, again, we've been talking a lot about the tactical edge. What's the challenge that you see? Are you finding as you work through uh, Project, Project Maven that, that this is not as easy as it sounds? I mean, never is, but. It never is. It is one of our biggest lessons so far. And what you said is there is no AI easy button. And anybody who says that has not been working at it a little bit. This idea of how do you integrate it into weapon systems, major programs of record that were never designed to be AI ready. And so this idea of integrating algorithms, in which is very, in conceptual terms, simple to say drop, a, drop a, some 70 lines of code into a major weapon system, is not that easy. It, there are some real challenges with that working with the program offices. So beyond the intelligence chiefs of each of the services, it's who owns these, these big systems and how do you integrate effectively without putting at risk the system itself. So that's what we're spending a lot of our time right now is just beginning to, to really ma map out that process of integrating these algorithms into the big weapon systems. And this is why as well the users piece is so important. Who's going to be using, who's going to be, yeah. right. Yeah. And, and do you find that when you start talking to the, the, the weapon systems users, they get why this AI piece or machine learning piece is important? Or is there an education area to, there too? There's always going to be an education piece, but uh, in general, I will just say the younger they are, the more receptive <laughs> they are. And why didn't I have this yesterday is, yeah. is the common answer. And then, and then once we start talking with them, well, can it do this? Can it do that? What if I did this? That's where we're going to learn the most. But uh, they wanted it yesterday. Margie, from the Navy's perspective, very similar as you talk about integrating these new technologies, emerging technologies into weapon systems, what challenges are you guys seeing? Yeah, um, so on the on the challenge side, of course, is I'm going to unfortunately bring it back to our current requirements and resource process, which is we tend to fund and set requirements for systems as individual systems. Um, and a lot of the data analytics piece, especially when it gets to supporting user decision making, is around um, the integration of that information across those systems. So where we traditionally tend to um, you know, incentivize the separation of those systems, you know, dependencies are not good because if one system has a delay for 
whatever reason, contracts or, or technology, it, it could cause another system to have a delay. We actually want that integration from a data perspective. Um, so figuring out what those architectures look like, how to make them cyber secure, um, and then figuring out how to bring the data together and then designing what the user really needs in order to make a decision are, are things that we don't just have to work through from a technology perspective, but from a process, organization, culture perspective. And those are always maybe a little bit more challenging than, t than the technology sometimes. Yeah, it's rarely the technology. We've Sorry. heard that for years. That's always kind of changing the way people view it. Uh, and actually, that's another great segue. I'm going to turn to Andrew real quick on this one. When, when the, the cloud also requires that change of thinking, right? The change. Mm -hmm. So yes. are you having conversations, for instance, with, with those people who run weapon systems? And, and how can weapon systems take advantage of this new technology called cloud? My primary focus is, you know, sort of easing us into it, and we're not kind of, that's sort of a separate area that I'm not directly involved in, but yeah. I know they're looking at those sorts of things because they want the same sort of advantages that, that cloud provides. I think the important thing to remember is that AI, ML, cloud, there's no such thing as a silver bullet. Right. It's going to be a sort of a coordinated, consolidated approach to how we embrace those technologies as they continue to move faster. In the case of, uh, you know, the AI and machine learning, things like a real data strategy, something that, you know, a lot of folks, which is almost an, as much of an art as it is a science, uh, act that we have to actually develop. So we understand what our needs are and we can, we understand what we have. We know where it needs to be. We know how we're going to make our decisions. What data do we need? So it's, it's things like that. From a security aspect, um, you know, Cloud offers, you know, that the infrastructure and depending upon which service model is to be secure uh, and is measured and can be measurable as secure, but the capabilities also have to be secure. Uh, and there are complexities with regards to hosting in a commodity space, right? For example, uh, command and control, the concept of, you know, our operational forces being able to see what's going on there and, and know that there's something that they have to take care of. Uh, you know, that's more complicated when you don't own the infrastructure outright. Yeah. So those are some of the complexities and absolutely we're looking at, at how they can be uh, embraced. Uh, General Shanahan, when you, when you guys were, were moving forward with uh, Project Maven, did the security side, did the workforce piece, did all that, how did you take into account those pieces? Uh, because obviously the AI side was cool and interesting and innovative, but there's, this, as, as I think Margie talked about, the culture and the workforce piece too still needs to be addressed. Well, it, it does, and the way we phrase it, which is goes to everything Andrew just said, I'll say is ditto to everything he said, is how do you build an AI-ready culture? Yeah. Which, which means everything from recruiting, initial training, retaining people, getting them in industry for longer periods so they get to experience the best, all of those are, are applicable to this. So it, it really is, the, the idea of a pilot project is designed to begin right. to understand what are all those bits and pieces that have to be put together so that you end up with an AI-ready culture? And I think that's so important to understand that this is a pilot. Like People want to take pilots and go, okay, we're going to move out much more quickly, but there's there's a huge learning that happens during. Andrew, jump in on the, on the, the piece. The learning thing is the biggest, I think, hurdle for all of us is finding good, uh, make sure there are people on both sides of the fence that are engaged, but they're saying government and industry who are engaged together. From a government perspective, uh, we are looking at different sort of co concepts or models on how to do competency development, we call it. That's things like what we call a guild, which is sort of a multidisciplinary thing, a group of people who are focused on advancing, you know, analytics, for example, which as we know is a mix of coding and science and math and statistics. Uh, and so we're looking at, at ways in which we take those sorts of things broader than just within an individual organization to the Navy as a whole. Fascinating. Now, this has been a, a wonderful conversation. I've learned a lot. Uh, you, you, people forget sometimes how much AI, machine learning, and the like has really been uh, integrated in the, the federal government. People always give the industry side much more credit. But uh, we're almost out of time, so let me start on that, that side of the table this time and, and uh, General Shanahan talk a little bit about the conversation today. What, what's some of the takeaways? What should people keep in mind as as agencies, as the DOD moves out in, in with these innovative technologies? You know, I'll say, I'll, I'll begin with the two cautionary tales, both of which have been, been mentioned today, one by me, one by Andrew. One, there is there is no AI easy button. Two, AI is not a silver bullet. Notwithstanding those two, two caveats, I'm excited, I'm an optimist. I do see the flame front of AI spreading across the Department of Defense. You hear it today in four-star level conversations that didn't exist a year ago, that people are beginning to understand a little bit more every day what this could mean for the department. If you read the National Security Strategy and the National Defense Strategy, they're both built into the artificial intelligence, big data, automation. So I'm excited about the future. It's hard work, it's gonna take us a while to get there, but we can't afford to delay much longer. Right. Lee. 
I, I agree with General Shanahan. Uh, we see the integration of artificial intelligence into the mission side of the DOD is absolutely imperative. From the industry perspective, we see our adversaries using artificial intelligence, and uh, we're doing everything we can with the DOD to accelerate that process. All right, Margie? Um, yeah, so I see a really exciting turn of uh, focus, I think, in DOD and in this space where before cloud was an IT conversation, and you'd have a discussion around what, what that meant from an IT perspective, but we're really seeing it being pulled back into the mission side and, and looking at what kind of mission outcomes we can get um, from not just the cloud cloud infrastructure piece, but also from the data and analytics. And I think it, it goes back to, you know, the topic uh, the general brought up around human machine teaming and when we really think about the potential of these technologies to be you know team members with humans and in, in, in doing warfare and in, in uh, making decisions I think it'll it'll change how we construct our design processes our procurement processes and really put us in a in a different place not just from a technology perspective but from also from a, a culture and a process perspective that could really give us a competitive edge in the future All right. and uh, Andrew get the last word well it's hard to add anything <laughs> to that right um, um, I think I would go back to the beginning is that cloud is, is a business model, it's with techno it's technology, it's really how you apply IT now, it's, it's not going away and so uh, whether we are doing AI or machine learning or whether we're do loading other types of capabilities on it, uh, in using IT, uh, it, the only thing we have to realize is that the only thing that's I guess standard is it's going to change and it's going to change fast and so we have to learn how to grow quickly to respond to it and embrace it. All right. Great advice from everyone. Unfortunately, though, we're out of time. Uh, you've been listening to panel discussion, New Frontiers in Military Intelligence, Artificial Intelligence, Machine Learning, and the Cloud, sponsored by Microsoft on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I've been your host, Jason Miller. Let me thank my guests today. Lieutenant General Jack Shanahan, the Director for Defense Intelligence, Warfighter Support, and the Office of the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence. Margie Palmieri, the Director of the Digital Warfare Office and the Office of the Chief of Naval Operations. Andrew Mansfield, the Technical Director for the Navy Space and Naval Warfare Systems Center Atlantic, and Lee Madden, the General Manager of Defense for Microsoft. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsradio.com and search Microsoft. Thank you for listening to the New Frontiers in Military Intelligence, Artificial Intelligence, Machine Learning, and the Cloud panel sponsored by Microsoft on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. The entire discussion is available on demand at federalnewsradio.com. Search Microsoft.